Welcome to Unbooking the Territory Season 2, where we look at the firsts and lasts, the beginnings and ends, the alphas and omegas of professional wrestling. Dan Griffin, joined by the incandescent UTT Rob. How are you, mate? You're going to run out of superlatives at some point, aren't you, Dan? Just, nah, uh, swallow the dictionary, mate, like you said last week. Well, it's a, technically a thesaurus, but yeah, you know, it's, uh, I'm impressed, Dan. It's your, uh, your your professional wordsmith skills coming out there. Nah, I just dunked a dictionary in teriyaki sauce. <laughs> <laughs> and a thesaurus in marinara. <laughs> So, yeah, it's uh, it's another week, it's another episode, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting into it, especially as we've uh, we've got another recurring guest, our first far-time, 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 far-time guest, uh, Sarah's back. How are you doing? Hello, yes, I didn't realise I was a far-time, far-time guest, but it's good, yeah, good to be back. Um, including the, uh, the show as well. Yeah, well, including the, including the Kiss Demon episode, which was oh, uh, actually... In fact, both of yours were in our uh, in our top five most listened yeah. to episodes of, uh, of of season one. They're, they're both in the top three, so a lot of pressure on this episode. <laughs> no yeah. idea why, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah we, we brought the drawback, but yeah, it felt only right to uh, to bring you back for today's uh, today's subject matter. Um, and I'll just mention it briefly, but before we get into any details, because we've got some beer chat to do, uh, we're covering uh, we're covering glow this week. The very first episode, uh, not yes, the uh, not the TV series. So I absolutely adore the TV series, but I've never seen Glow, the actual wrestling promotion. So good to watch. Well, we're, we're glad we've got you on because it, it would have been very wrong for uh, two men to jump into this. So <laughs> you're protecting us from. <laughs> it, it, it still might be pretty wrong, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. mitigation. That's the uh, that's the word of the day. <laughs> yeah, let's just. Uh... Let's just throw it out there now. This was the 80s. <laughs> but uh, before we get into the show, I think we should, uh, I think the listeners should sit back and we'll, uh, we'll be the virtual Reginald, uh, Mark Sterling. Who, who's, who, who, who'd make a good sommelier? Do you think, Rob? Because we're running out of things. It depends if you if you want someone doing it ironically. I mean, imagine uh, if you had someone like Otis there with a bow tie and uh, making recommendations. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could I could get on board with that. I could I could resemble that remark. But uh, we'll get some uh, we'll get some drink recommendations on the on the go for glow. So what would you recommend, Sarah? pretty much what I've gone with I've got a weird mixture to be honest and um, so I wanted something light as I've said I'd had uh, well I have two weeks off work and I've been hitting the brandy and the wine a bit hard so I thought I'll just have a nice corona so I've got Fair a couple enough. bottles of corona with lime but then as like a bit of a wild card and a bit of a Christmassy drink I've also got a lovely little sweet sherry as well oh, fair enough 
nice variety. Although you say about this, uh, yeah. about was recording before Christmas, this won't go out till Easter. You <laughs> know, <laughs> <laughs> far behind we are. 2023. Yeah, port used to be my Christmas drink, but it now makes me feel sick for some reason. I've gone off port officially. I do um, port. I used to. Can't touch it now. It just makes me feel sick. So I'm gonna have uh, brandy or sherry this year. Or Corona. Or Corona. <laughs> not probably, probably not in the same glass, are they? Oh God, that would curdle. <laughs> That's a cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you on, Rob? So in terms of my recommendation, because Salt is collaborating with Pepper on this uh, episode in a tag team, so I've gone for a Salt Brewery collab with Legitimate Industries. I've gone for Gimme the Dough, which is a 7.2% coffee and donut uh, porter. It's one that I've given 4.25 to an untapped. Uh, and you gave it 3.75 and Beth gave it 3.25, mm-hmm. so we all liked it. Yeah, what a bad drop, as I recall. Uh, for my recommendation... Uh, there's a lot of lot of bright neon colours on this show, so I've decided to go with a, a neon Raptor Brewing Company and their Terror Racer. It's a 5.4% pale ale. I gave it 3.5 and untapped. It's just a it's just a nice little drop. It'll do. And like I said, that was the only time I could think of because I wasn't smart enough to make the salt connection. <laughs> there was just so many. Once I saw salt was on the show, I'm like, that's just I can go through the entire range here. Yeah, too many good beers. So that's the recommendation. So what we're we drinking tonight? I think Sarah, you've already given us an, given us an idea of what's uh, what's on yeah, the bar in front of you. I've just gone with what I've got. Yes, yeah, so I've just got a, a beer and a sherry, which is I know is weird, but it, it it's yeah, it's worth at this point. At this point, I expect nothing less from you. <laughs> <laughs> I've known you too long. Uh, what are you on, Rob? It's just the same sherry Martell wasn't on this episode, isn't it? Although I've beer tight mm-hmm. since it's uh, a school night, and I might have to go and do something after we've recorded i'm going to try and keep the volumes down so uh, i was going to go for stage winner from little valley brewery uh, i had one sip of that and it was off so that's getting a quarter on untapped uh, now, was, now it, was it was it actually off or have you just left it in the cupboard too long it, a little bit out of column a and a little bit out of column b it's been the first for a long time, actually. It went everywhere. It's like I'd won, a, won the Formula One. So I've swapped that out for a Northern Soul by it's a Briggs Signature Ales, which is actually brewed in Huddersfield. So it's a, a brewery I hadn't come across before. It's a pale ale at 3.9%. And then I thought I'd explore some alcohol-free beers. So I've got a Salter Northern Lights, which is a single hop citra pale. I've got uh, Bonfire Stout from Drop Bear Beer Co. And mm. I've got uh, Para, which is uh, Big, Drop, Big Drop Brewing. And um, it's a Tailwind IPA. Fair enough. On a, on, a, on a zero alcohol journey that I never thought we'd see on, the, on this programme. But as you say, it is a school night. And you might have, to, uh, might have to be out later on. So completely respect it. It's what has to be done. Uh, as for me, I'm, I'm just pay, I'm paying homage to uh, to our Monday morning war uh, opponent, brethren. I don't know what we call it, frenemy. I don't know what we class it as at this point. But I'm paying homage to Andy. It's a school night, so I'm just on the Euro piss. I've just just got a few cans of Amstel. Nice. Uh, It'll do. I don't know if it's an opponent. This week's episode, he mentioned us every sentence. So uh, I've not had a chance to listen to it yet. Yeah, Stan is probably the word you're looking for. 
let's just hope that lasts for another four, five, six, seven weeks until this drops and we <laughs> our, our rebuttal goes live. And well, since we're talking about beer, shall we have best beer of the week? And best beer of the week is Longside Lager by Hops and Shops. So best beer of the week there was Longside Lager. Uh, it's a beer from the Burnley Club Shop. It's 4.9%. Uh, it's uh, Hell's Lager, um, brewed by uh, Hops and Shops. Beth gave this one an extremely biased 5 out of 5. I've given it a little bit more realistic 3 out of 5. <laughs> she bought it from the club shop. Did that include getting gobbed at by Sean Dyche and like, the slide tackled by Tarkovsky or something? I think that's how they make it. <laughs> oh dear well i'll have to keep an eye out it's good for the checking if nothing else yeah they, they do three different ones um so you may get other ones coming up in future episodes <laughs> it's in the next two who knows that's the dream well then shall we get into this week's uh, this week's show with the very first episode of glow taped on the 5th of december 1985 in the riviera hotel and casino las vegas uh, there's no official attendance given on the show that I can recall, and I can't find out exactly what the venue holds uh, because it's shut, it shut down in 2015 after being open for 60 years, um, and it was demolished in 2016. So I can't even go can't even go look at the room. Although potent, potential wrestling tie, that particular casino was started uh, in part by a Detroit mobster named William Bischoff. Who? Wrestling link or coincidence? Who knows? Both gangsters. Yeah. <laughs> Glow itself, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling, was created by WWA announcer and promoter David B. McLean after seeing fans uh, react to women's wrestling. Uh, the WWA showrunner, Dick the Bruiser, uh, dismissed it as unprofitable. And uh, it must have been a bit of a blow to McLean, to be fair, because when he was a teenager, he started the Dick the Bruiser fan club uh, and made a living selling, uh, for, selling photographs of wrestlers by mail order. And that sort of went well enough that it got Dick the Bruiser to uh, to sort of take notice and take him under his wing and get him into the uh, get into the wrestling world. Um, McLean wasn't to be deterred though. He went to Hollywood and uh, posted casting notices in the Hollywood Reporter and Variety and uh, auditioned over 500 women at the Hyatt at the Hyatt Hotel on Sunset Boulevard. Uh, we finally get to the actual show itself. McLean served as the uh, the ring announcer, the uh, the solo play by play announcer, and he was obviously the owner. Uh, the first audition was held at apparently at Gold's Gym as well as the uh, uh, the height. I think the height was just to whittle down the uh, the hopefuls, and then actually uh, getting the uh, getting the finalists, uh, getting down to the final twelve at Gold's Gym. So the uh, the dozen finalists uh, were selected and trained for six weeks at the Broadway Boxing Gym at 108th and Broadway in South Los Angeles neighborhood of Watts. McLean hired a professional. Uh, wrestler Mexican Mando Guerrero, who's Chavo Senior and Eddie, uh, Chavo Senior and Eddie's brother, uh, to train them, and later brought in uh, wrestling veteran Cynthia Peretti, who was professionally known as Princess Jasmine. She ended up being a 17-year veteran. Uh, she was trained by Dick the Bruise and had competed all over the world by this point. A number of the original dozen wrestlers actually uh, move, uh, moved on to Las Vegas uh, for the tapings, supplemented by local women, uh, many of whom were former actresses or show dancers. Glow itself was actually a syndication rating success and got uh, superior ratings to WWF's uh, Superstars. There was also a syndicated show uh, that launched at the same time and was uh, there were show frequently shown in adjacent time slots on the same stations. 
So you'd have uh, superstars and Glow going back to back rather than head to head, and uh, and Glow would get the better ratings, which was actually I don't know why it was a surprise to me, but it was. But I just didn't realise it had they had that bigger market back then. The thing about Glow, and we'll probably come on to this, is that it's a totally different presentation of wrestling than you've seen anywhere else. The, yeah. the stuff on this show, that I mean, it was filmed in 85, went out in 86. The stuff on this show that you're like, hang on a sec, is this, you know, 98, 99 rather than 85? You know, it, it's just well ahead of its time. There's definitely a lot of innovative stuff in there. I will, I will be taking the piss out of some of it because I just can't help it. But it was it was certainly a unique presentation, even amongst all even amongst all the stuff that we've watched, you know, in our time doing this show and just watching random stuff, you know, on YouTube. Uh, it was yeah, I mean, we'll get onto it. Uh, but the as you said, it was broadcast in 1986 on the 13th of uh, September, and the first thing I've got to note about this show from the uh, from what we watched. The Today Home Entertainment logo that was seemingly done on uh, on PowerPoint. Uh, again, it, it's it, you can't really hold up uh, 1985 graphics to <laughs> 2021 standards. Oh no, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to hold it up. It's just it, it, it made me smile. Yeah, because I was looking uh, at it because at one point that was the pinnacle. <laughs> well, it probably was. One other thing about the backstage sort of thing of glow um the owner of the riviera casino uh Meslam Rickis, um only agreed to hold the show at the riviera if his wife payazadra could work in creative on glow and be the director of the shows oh really oh okay so, uh, bit of a yeah. backhander there <laughs> bit of nepotism <laughs> so i don't know if she was qualified given some of the camera cuts and all that she's at least as good as kevin dunn yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're getting to the uh, we're getting to the show intro po- uh, proper, and the first thing we hear is a pure eighties driving drum beat, and the first thing we see is big hair and blue lycra diving off the top rope in slow motion. Well, you say it's pure eighties, but I was in the BP garage the other day, um, and th- they actually are you know on the tannoy came up Patty Labelle. The um, I've got a new attitude, and I was like, "This is the theme for Glow. What's this doing on in the petrol station?" <laughs> oh man, it's but it's when the uh, it's when the dive stops mid dive, and you just hear a voiceover, and it's uh, I'm assuming it's David McLean's uh, finest Amdram uh, Amdram voiceover. Wait a minute, is it true? Can it be? And more footage of the shows going over, and then it's uh, David McLean Enterprises, Ind- Independent Networking, proudly present Glow, gorgeous ladies of wrestling. And we see a sort of promo clips, and it's at this point I see a familiar face amongst the wrestlers, because I've been, you know, I've been looking into the show and who was on it and all that, but I've not done sort of a dive into any of the uh, any of the individuals yet. Yeah. So I'm watching the show, and I just think, holy shit, it's Ivory. Yeah, she wasn't in the right to sense a gimmick here, was she? Certainly not. (laughs) How did I miss that? I completely missed that. Yeah, she's Tina Ferrari. She she was the one that was um, constantly going into that changing room and then coming out and um, sort of doing the Gorilla Monsoon wrestling stance when she came out. Oh, that's amazing. I can't believe I actually missed that. Yeah, well, she had, um, yeah, she was in obviously in 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 a match later on as well. 
yeah yeah and I could still didn't I know the quality wasn't that great but I still didn't clock on as to to who it was well you say that but she, she was still she said to me she was still sort of head and shoulders above most above most of the women on the show oh yeah yeah but, uh, that match so, was actually my favorite match of the night as well that she was in oh spoilers spoilers for that yeah but anyway so. <laughs> continue <laughs> with the intro talk yeah <laughs> And then it thing then not for the first, not for the last time sorry on this show because um, Rob's already mentioned the uh, the changing room sort of Power Ranger <laughs> wardrobe change then it all goes a bit weird and we see Matilda the Hun who obviously we don't know her name yet doing a little rap and singing a little song about eating raw meat and this was the first point whoever was directing went all Kevin Dunn and I had to look away because the camera cuts were giving me a headache. <laughs> Did you do any research into Matilda the Hun? I have done a bit, yes, and I'll come on to that later. Oh, uh, because she's know. got a she's got an she's got an interest she's got an I interesting background. <laughs> she she indeed she does. Oh, I, I didn't look into any of that. I just know that on the on the TV show, who her kind of character was was meant to be on the the Netflix series, and that's all I know really. I didn't do any other research, but I did like her character. I thought she was she was. People in the, the fans when she got over the top rope were running away so at some one point. So yeah, really, really good. She, she's legit terrifying. <laughs> yeah, she, she and she's got that creepy song about eating meat. Well, raw meat. I eat yeah. raw meat. She yeah, needs yeah. it and crave, craves flesh. And... Yeah, I thought that was really. I didn't know what to make of it at first. I was like, what is going on? Because as you said, it, it kind of just cut into the intro of the eighties music, just into this weird flesh-eating like rap um, and she's she's yeah. there all she's there like obviously you know like an amazon amazon of a woman like six foot plus yeah. huge uh huge ginger perm yeah it was, it was like eye-catching definitely <laughs> but it goes back to the uh sort of the footage of the uh the footage of the matches and some slow-mo action shots and uh i've got to give it credit rob in, in terms of the order we recorded these this is uh way better than the uwa's intro I don't know. I think it's way better than all the intros we had. We had the cheesy chessboard on Superstars of Wrestling. Um, oh, yeah. We do an AEW Dark and we just get a, a very loud theme over an AEW logo. We said this is a criticism to the AWA. When they tried to sell that Team Talon series, they, they hadn't been asked. They just did the first thing that they did and they mm. popped it out and hoped someone would buy it. Glow put a hell of a lot of effort into this. Mm. And yeah. A lot of production, a lot of effort, and it's no surprise that when they go to the NAPTA convention, they get signed up by 30 channels straight away because it's professional. Mm. Oh, yeah, I'll give it that. Like I say, we, we, can, we can laugh about the, uh, you know, the, the song about eating raw meat and, and all the rest of it, but it's, it's not like, like the UWA where it was just a big exposition dump. Yeah. You're getting... You're getting shown who the you know at least who the wrestlers are or you know the sort of style they have on. And then obviously Matilda's there and thinking, no, oh, okay, she's a flesh-eating maniac. Yeah, and therefore yeah. everybody associated with her must be a heel. They've not sat us down and explained at great length who's who. So yeah, as far as that goes, completely see where you're coming from. Yeah, I really liked how they did that because I obviously had never ever seen this promotion before. But in that intro, you kind of got just a snippet of who everyone was. So. This is what's coming up, you know. Who are you going to see? What matches are there going to be? Um, yeah, I really, really liked how they did that. And uh, and a lot of the a lot of the women got a, a little bit of promo time in the intro as well. Yeah, 
the only criticism I'd have of this segment is that they didn't kind of explain who any of the people were. So I thought mm. it was really well done, but if they just had like a graphic under it with the name or just something to explain who they were, or actually, mm. you know, have bits of the promo where, you know, they, they say the name or something, because you, you sort of come out of it going, well, who's this? And then you have to watch the whole show to go and then put the pieces back together to yeah. who that was. It could have used maybe uh, the AWA style graphics with the signatures and the uh, <laughs> and, the, and the, the like the finishing moves and all of that. We get a rundown of the card and uh, a few promo clips. We see uh, Royal Hawaiian who's threatening death on people. Americana talks about ice cream for some reason. Um, <laughs> we see I can't, I've not written down who who says the next bit, but I think it's on. I think it's Pepper uh, talking about breaking necks and. Extolling the virtues of uh, of African men. No, that, that is salt about breaking the necks. But yeah, Pepper's talking about the virtues of African men. But then she does the Hannibal Lecter uh, thing. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. uh, does does she want to? You know, why does she want to meet these men? <laughs> well, at least she wasn't doing the rap about raw beef as well. Um, uh, we see Hollywood talking about kicking ass, and I'm sure she, she says at one point, "Don't fuck with us." Oh, she does. I mean, she swears a lot. You know, she she, she calls Tina Ferrari and Ashley uh, Cartier uh, sluts. Um, yeah. I, oh, I, May, May Young did that years later with uh, Michelle McCool and Lila. <laughs> but I, I thought Hollywood was really good in these promos. She came across really confident, mm. you know, and had a lot of attitude, really, yeah. that sort of character. You know, she, she was sort of chewing gum as she was, she was doing it. A, a lot of these wrestlers looked like they'd sort of been sat down and interviewed and they'd just cut things out with Hollywood you actually felt that that was the promo that she meant to do she seemed very she seemed very comfortable in the character yeah none of it felt fast um then we see Ashley making suggestive comments about having things in her mouth Matilda is on screen calling Tammy a joke and talking about eating raw meat and cannibalism and eating soft American flesh Tammy Jones, she's a joke. She's a little wimp. She's a doom cough. You know, my favorite menu in my life is meat. <laughs> Especially American meat. <laughs> Fresh, bloody, little, tiny morsels of American flesh. <laughs> Don't hate the player. Hate the game. Let me tell you something, Cole. You better book her it better. And that noise right there, Dan. Fuck off. Means it's time for Steve-O to booker it better. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, something cool. Let me tell you about this Tammy Jones. Because Tammy Jones sounds like Tommy Lee Jones, who was part of the Motley crew, who also dated Pamela Anderson. Now, Pamela Anderson looked like Sable, and Sable is married to Brock Lesnar, the Beast. Oh, my. Now, the beast, he is a butcher, and he loves his meat. Remember that video he did with the beard butchers? Oh, my goodness. Well, that's the way I like my beef. I like it raw. I like it like a sucker. Now, can you dig that, sucker? Fuck it, hell. We've got a full Steve of rewrite. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that is glorious. Once again, our boy Steve-O knocks it out of the park. Brilliant. 
everything's better with Booker T, isn't it? It just is, yeah. yeah. I love how he's got the, the raw beef in there as well. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> oh, well done, Steve. You never fail us. <laughs> I've completely lost my. Yeah, there we go. Uh, so we uh, we cut to uh, David McLean in the hotel lobby. Uh, he's nervous about the main event. Tells us that uh, the as yet unseen Tammy has been praying all day, and that a little brother Johnny will walk again. He's had the braces taken off his legs after a car accident. Did you hear the music over this section, Dan? No. It was when the going gets tough by Billy Ocean, which we had in the previous episode on WWF Superstars, which was aired the week before this episode. So they both used it. <laughs> oh, brilliant. I, I'd never noticed that. Never noticed it at all. I, I noticed the song a, a lot later on. Um, yeah, they, they put it in the highlight package for the Roger Kirby and Terry Gibbs versus Ricky the Dragon, Steve Boat and C.V. Affy match. Fair enough. I would say I'm going to go back and watch it again, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so McLean goes, uh, goes on to say that Tammy also has to worry about the 280 pound German Matilda who has papers to prove that she's a, di- a direct descendant of Attila the Hun at this point I've just put this is gloriously ridiculous like looking yes. back on it looking back on it this is gloriously, gloriously ridiculous and it's it's just such a mismatch if, when you see when you actually see Tammy and Matilda next to each other um, and just like that Tammy Jones arrives with uh, with some of the other faces She's in tears. She's hiding her face. Uh, Pepper says she can't wrestle. Her brother still can't walk. And just by happenstance, Matilda and a group of the heels happen to be walking across the hotel lobby too. Uh, McLean <laughs> wants her to stay away as if he's going to have any chance of stopping anything happening. Uh, we get some random, you know, gobshite in between the face and the heels, a brawl in shoes. Uh, McLean's calling for security in his very best Andran voice again. Uh, manages to get... Um, to get Tammy out of the way, asks she asks if she's okay, and then reassures us that this uh, heavily emotionally compromised uh, woman, who, who to be honest looks underage, will be able to do fighting tonight. There's a couple of things. I, well, a couple of things about this. I, I love that the free security guards were no match for Attila the Hun and Hollywood and Vine. You know, it was really yeah. the women as powerful in this promotion. And I imagine, you know, given that we're, we're just using everything else in the Riviera, they were probably legitimately uh, Riviera security guards. And oh, I don't yeah, know if you've ever surprised me. I don't know if you've ever seen that scene in Ocean's Eleven where they talk about the three most successful robberies of a Vegas casino. I and, have, to, uh, but not for a long time. Yeah, number three got one step closer to fresh air than anyone else before him. <laughs> 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 but the, the weird thing about this was David McLean said that Pepper had assured him that she'll be able to wrestle this evening and she, she didn't it's just like I think David <laughs> McLean might have done some off the script shit talking yeah oh definitely I, I love this opening bit I thought it built like that I think they'd already announced the matches at this point what we're going to see um, yeah. so it built kind of the main event and if that had been you know in today's you know on Raw AW or whatever It'd really, really kind of open the show. That'd be a great opening. Uh, I, I really liked it. The whole heat, uh, even though, like you said, Dan, it, it ludicrous, absolutely ludicrous, um, and so eighties. But it was a good opener, even though the story with with little Johnny being unable to walk was a bit daft. But I'm just, yeah. I'm just now imagining in the same angle with uh, with our truth and little Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> one thing Glow did really well that. 
AEW and WWE are failing to do today. They used the venue to the best possible ability. They, they mm. were like using the shots outside, shots on the roof, you know, in the, the foyer in the middle of the um, uh, gamblers, you know, sort of all over the show, you know, at the front where the limousines pull up. Uh, I've watched another episode of Glow where they're at Trump Plaza and, you know, there's this sort of huge escalator that comes down and you can sort of see them, you know, on there and they're using this whole panning shot because they're using the environment. And mm. also often in the modern wrestling thing, they just stand in front of the board with the logos on or whatever, or it's the same area. There's nothing special about it, whereas, you know, they were using every inch of that. And to a certain extent, the Riviera is one of the stars of the show. Yeah, yeah. I've never actually thought, thought about it like that, but you're absolutely right makes it a bit more exciting even when he did the opening thing and he had the Riviera logo behind him and it was like live from the Riviera it made it quite exciting because there was somewhere it, it feels like an event yeah yeah a proper yeah. live event they're live at the Riviera it was, I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it yeah it's not just an inside of a generic arena that could be anywhere that they're just telling you is like I don't know Green Bay Wisconsin that could be Green Bay Wisconsin it could be Portland Oregon it could you know it, it's just yeah. the inside of a cement building <laughs> yeah. But, yeah fair enough uh, next up we see uh, a tina ferrari promo video uh, or i thought it was and then it turns out it was just the same changing room transformation we see royal hawaiian uh, dancing and going straight into lifting weights uh ashley's getting out of the bath and then getting toweled down by two blokes i can't believe that royal hawaiian danny didn't say she was lifting the world's smallest weights <laughs> i've forgotten they were pretty small, weren't they? They were they're, ridiculously they're, tiny. They're, they're incredibly dense. That's that's what gives them the weight. <laughs> it's it's about it's about reps rather than uh, rather than one off strength. It is. America's on the roof of the Riviera, as you said, Rob. You know, roof shot. She's got a red, white, and blue cape on. Uh, Spanish reds smoking and dancing flamenco in the ring. Oh, just uh, on just on Americana though, Dan. Hmm. Did you notice the cape? It was uh, blue, white, and red rather than red, white, and blue. So it was the French flag she had. Oh. <laughs> oh. They got the best they could for her with the money. Well, they just put it the wrong way around is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> we see California doll who's laid among some dolls, which is in no way creepy. And then we get uh, behind the raw beef song, we get the second major what the fuck moment in the... One of the wrestlers, we don't see later on the show, but one of the wrestlers is called Jailbait. Yeah. I don't think that's a reference to her age, though, in all fairness. I don't think that had entered the mind. I think she was just a criminal. Car and stuff. Yeah, I did like the fact, you know, the guy thought she was a prostitute, so she starts kicking his car in. That was, that was good. I just, yeah. I just, just obviously with the modern connotation of Jailbait, you're thinking, what the fuck? I did think what the fuck when it came up, jailbait, and I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I expected something a lot different to what and, here, and here's one the paedophiles are like. <laughs> and then we see Salt dancing on the stairs before Joker made it cool. And we're into the uh, we're into the in-ring action pretty much. Uh, Royal Hawaiian and Spanish Red versus Americana and California Doll. I tried to dig up as much as I could on these women with not a lot of success in a lot of uh, in a lot of in a lot of circumstances. I do know that Royal Hawaiian was one of the original twelve uh, Glow women. She was one of the original twelve cast. Uh, she was an actress and model before and after Glow, 
Although the only TV credits I could I could find for her were on Glow. And there's no cage match link for her. Yeah, there's, exactly. there's no cage match for a lot of people on this show, which is a shame. Cage match is great, but there seems to be some massive holes in it. Yeah, well, given that it's a cage, it's, there'll, there'll be holes everywhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrible joke. I apologise. <laughs> uh, Spanish Red, however, does have a cage match profile, and all all the matches listed there are from Glow. And just just for Graham, I've got some percentages. Spanish Red won forty eight point five percent of her matches in Glow. I forgot to note down exactly how many that was, but there you go. Uh, she was also an actress and a stunt woman. Uh, she had a couple of movie credits, but nothing I've ever heard of. Um, I couldn't find sod all on Americana, although she did win eighty percent of her matches in Glow. Interestingly, California Doll does have a cage match profile, although it's never listed her as officially retiring, so she's got 36 years of in-ring experience, despite not having wrestled since 1988. And she was <laughs> and in the all... Was she? Yeah, she was at Super Clash 3. Oh. I've... No, I didn't actually know that. Fair dues. She won 51.4% of her glow matches. Uh, she also went on to appear in Powerful Ladies of Wrestling, uh, and uh, American Angels, Baptism of Blood, which is a movie about a young woman's quest to become a wrestler to honour her grandfather. Uh, she was one of the side characters, was California Doll. So going into the match, it was uh, the first odd thing was seeing all four women uh, come out together, which I'm not necessarily against, but it still struck me as odd because you're used to, you know, either individually or one team at a time. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, we get more promos. We actually get picture-in-picture promos which was actually surprisingly well done. I wasn't expecting that level of, of production value. Like in WWF at this time, and probably well into the 90s, it was always done quite jarringly when they yeah. had mid-match promos. If they, if they ever did picture-in-picture, I just had a phone call. But this was actually done really well. In terms of the production, the content is, uh, is a bit different. Americana cuts a promo about representing America. Spanish Red considers herself American, but has a different culture. Americana has strong feelings about what an American woman should be like. And all I've just got is, oh, God, this grudge match is based in racism and the racists are probably going to be faces. Well, um, you know, they, they, they knew they were going to be booking Trump Plaza. So they thought, if I get my MAGA hat on now, I'll get a discount. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the match actually starts with Americana pulling the speak English bullshit. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the commentary doesn't do him any favours either because we, we get a there's a bit of shoving in a lockup uh, that goes into a stalemate, and that's when I notice the ring. The ring itself is very low, and the ropes are very low as well, so it's got to be custom made, or at least a custom setup. I quite liked that the ropes were lower though, because mm. uh, well, you know just sort of the um, the height of a lot of the wrestlers. I mean, obviously Matilda's like a legit six, legit six two or whatever, but you know a lot of them. Uh, are going to be sort of, you know, just up high or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think lowering the ropes makes sense because a lot oh, of yeah. you know, like modern wrestling, we're seeing women working in an environment that was designed for very, very large men, you know. So I thought it made sense to have a, a custom ring that, that was more suited to the average size of the person in the matches. Yeah, good idea. Makes sense. Like you said, today's. You know, you've got people like, uh, I don't know, who's small. Uh, Alexa Bliss, what is she, five foot? 
yeah. and she's in a ring designed for you know six foot odd uh you know seven foot blokes so yeah it, yeah it does make sense that if it's their promotion they have their ring and it suits them yeah it's fit fit for their purpose and it's eye-catching as well because mm. i didn't think they had the, did they have the did they have pink ropes and um like a past like a green canvas yeah yeah they're, they're like definitely mint, so, yeah. mint, mint green and they had the extended aprons as well which i thought was a smart idea because Ring aprons have always looked way too like narrow for me. <laughs> I don't know why it just seems to make sense to have a bigger apron, like to actually stand on properly. Obviously, not good when you've been thrown over the top rope and your spine hits it. But no. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but we actually uh, Red starts getting on top. She hits an arm drag, uh, spinning toe hold after Americana's bitching out Royal Hawaiian as well, and then the commentary kicks in about Spanish Red. And David McLean says, what do you expect from a woman who loves bullfights? That's not all she likes. She likes hot sauce. <laughs> that, 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 that's, verbatim, that's verbatim what he said in the way he said it. Absolutely terrible, but yeah. I suppose it's all of its time. Well, yeah. It's funny, though, because, you know, the filming this in Las Vegas, I mean, obviously it's going out nationwide, but you've got a, a, quite a large, you know, section of the population that would have uh, been rooting for uh, Spanish Red uh, in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. definitely, yeah. I was uh, I was rooting for Spanish Red in the match. Well, so there's quite a, there's quite a, a race card being pulled on this show, and, um, yeah, you, you kind of root for the person who's being uh, attacked, really, don't you? Yeah, exactly. But it's not the first time you see the, you hear, sorry, the uh, commentator, old Mr McLean, getting behind who was supposed to be the heels, I think. Or who come across the heels. So I don't know if he was trying to portray a character or what, but maybe that's giving him too much credit. There's a fair bit in this match. Um, I won't go through it move for mood. Uh, move for mood? Move for move. Well, you, um, you've quite a long time, Dan, because I think this is the longest match we've reviewed that hasn't been, you know, a, a battle royal or war games or something. It was 14 minutes, this match. Is it really that long? Yeah. It's fourteen. It yeah, not that that's a complaint, but yeah, I noted that it was a fairly long match. And this is probably doing it a compliment. Then it didn't feel that long. No, I think it clips along at a decent pace. I mean, normally a long match fills me with dread because you know it's a lot of false finishes and all this sort of stuff. We didn't get any of that in this, and we got a lot of character work and a lot of character work that made sense. So, and a uh, lot of actual wrestling. Yeah, for for people that were extremely new to the business 14 minute match i've got no complaints about it there's people who've been they've been in the business for years who couldn't pull off a 14 minute match yeah. I, yeah. I was really impressed by it it was a lot better than what i expected it was going to be like i didn't expect much like you said because a lot of these people have not been in the business that long i just thought oh it's going to be you know dreadful basically but it, it absolutely wasn't it, it was really good yeah, uh, there was a really cool bit where um, I think it was Spanish Red had had California Doll in some form of headlock or front face lock or something, but she had Doll's hair and she was pulling it behind her own back, yeah. so yeah. the ref couldn't see. I thought yeah, that, that was a really cool bit of uh, bit of heel work. That was brilliant, and and that's how you use a referee in a match. You, you know, you, you use it it's because the cameras could see what she was doing, but you could also see because of the way they positioned themselves, there was no way the ref could have seen it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, really well done. Oh, we've got to talk. We've got to talk about the slow mo. Yes. The in match uh, slow motion. 
there was a spear in the corner by uh, by Spanish Red to California Doll. She goes for a second. Doll gets the boot up. Royal Hawaiian comes, uh, gets tagged in, and hits a dive. Hits a, a splash essentially. No, oh, sorry, I'm getting it confused with another spot. No, um, sorry. Royal Hawaiian goes for a spear in the corner, and they actually film the spear in slow motion. Yeah, or you know, set it up in slow motion, air it in slow motion, as uh, as California Doll dodges it. And I just I looked at it, and this is one of those things where I have to give them great credit for trying something new and something innovative because that is what it is. I've never seen that before or since. But I feel like there's a reason I haven't seen it since. Yeah. The the thing is that you know I mean the AWA were saying that they were bringing in like instant replays and stuff that made you feel like you'd be in the ring. I, I think the AWA four years later from this failed in that ambition. I think Glow mm. made a much better shake of it four years earlier and didn't shout about it being revolutionary. Yeah, I'll concede that point. Although, did they air slow motion replays as well, or was it just slowing down the movie within the match? Did, yeah, they did the replay as well at the end. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. No, again, I haven't considered that point. I think I, th- I think I was too hell bent on snark at certain points. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't know that about uh, about the AWA. But for me, I, I noted down as well, some of it was shot kind of like a movie, not just with the slow motion bits, but in, we'll get onto it later, but there was a, a, a segment in another match where it was, the camera angle was like, they'd been attacked from behind and she, she was in a horror movie. So it was a bit of both, a bit of like fast action wrestling and then the dramatics of it being in a movie like oh look what's happening in slow motion i, I didn't particularly like it that much but it i've never ever seen that before i th- think we're sort of coming at it from the same angle Sarah, in that it, it's it's it is genuinely revolutionary never seen it before respect the yeah. effort that involved in it but it just maybe doesn't quite hit the mark i thought the moves would have had more impact if they hadn't have done it in slow motion with some of them yeah the impact out you know, when we've looked at various things, you know, we can say oh, it didn't it didn't land or whatever. This was revolutionary, and this was a ratings winner. And then mm. there's a clear reason why people came Tuglow in droves. And it's not just that pretty women were on the show; mm. they were presenting wrestling in a way that wasn't being presented anywhere else in a new and revolutionary way. Mm. And even if we look back at it with 2021 eyes and say it doesn't quite hit the mark, it fucking hit the mark in 1986. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. The, the two aren't sort of mutually exclusive, are they? Both of, both those things can be true. Um, yeah. And in terms of it landing in '86 and not landing now, I mean, it's just the, the nature of the beast, isn't it? It's the nature of entertainment. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I kept telling myself that. I mean, you've got to think of it as 1985, 1986, not now. So I kept kind of reviewing that in my mind while I was watching it. Uh, and yeah, I, I think it was pretty pretty revolutionary that to have that in there that even though i didn't i wasn't keen on it it was a yeah a, a great thing to have in i think yeah i'd say so um like i say it's a 14 minute match there's plenty going on mm. um the uh, we get uh, americana who's they're still putting across as the face in the match uh, raking the eyes in a in a nod to hulk hogan's face work of the 1980s <laughs> did you hear what david so- mclean said no, uh, they're trying to put American car, uh, Americana over as the face and Spanish Red over as the heel. Spanish Red is antagonizing Americana by speaking Spanish right to her. Oh my god, 
You sure it's Americana and not Americaran? I amused myself with that one. (laughs) But the finish comes uh, when uh, Royal Hawaiian goes to the second rope and we get more slow-mo as uh, going gets tough starts playing and Royal Hawaiian uh, hits the splash for the three and that's a win for Spanish Red and Royal Hawaiian. Yeah, I was pleased with that. Yeah, and better than anyone had a right to expect. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, just again, just a lot of surprisingly, it's hard to say this without condescending, but again, context, you've got to take it in context. These yeah. were women who had a, a couple of months training. And it, anybody after a couple of months training shouldn't be putting on something that competent. No, no. I don't no, think. I, no, well, I mean, the, the only one uh, I, I can remember sort of coming out in the first match, I remember um, seeing Bianca Belair's matching the May Young Classic and thinking, um, you know, what's all the hype about? And then then I heard it was the first match she'd ever had. And then it's like, oh, well, actually, no, this is really good. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, That's why, yeah. Text, She's you an know? absolute star. Yeah. <laughs> She's uh, a yeah. Yeah, fan of us for a long time, but. Well, yeah, a, a ten-year ten vet, it maybe doesn't seem great, but someone's first match, hell yes, it's great, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Next up, we get a, a promo from Salt about how Pepper shares her clothes and, <laughs> and all that, and they all get her on, and then immediately cut to them arguing in a hotel room about a dress, and Salt doesn't need Pepper's help. <laughs> the thing I loved about this is, though, that they actually did room share while they were filming Glow. They lived together, and... Yeah. You can imagine that this was a scenario that actually happened, and they do pick this up in the Netflix series of Glow with them falling out over stealing each other's clothes and stuff. So it, it clearly probably did happen at the time. Yeah, quite probably. So you know, as easy as it is to look and say, "Oh, you know, that's a bit cheesy or a bit stereotypical, whatever," it could happen. You know, people if when people are sort of sequestered away together for that long, there's bound to be arguments about all sorts of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. If you base an angle on something that's true, you know, it, it's going to be more realistic and, and give people that, that edge that, wow, these two are really annoyed at each other. You know, they really can't stand each other right now because part of it, a little bit of it is probably true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the next matchup is Mabel and Sarah uh, versus uh, Salt and Pepper. Um, there was only, a, for as far as the, uh, the latter team goes, Salt and Pepper, there's only a cage match uh, for Pepper who is listed as uh, Princess Jasmine, who I mentioned before. Yeah. Um, so yeah, obviously 17-year vet trained by Dick the Bruiser and uh, a guy called Prince Pullins. Uh, I just wanted to put that in there because it sounds like a wank joke. Um, <laughs> but did you know who Sarah and Mabel were? Well, this one, this one's where it gets a bit fucky on, uh, on Cage Match because Cage Match lists Mabel as being Royal Hawaiian. Yes. And Sarah is listed as Ashley Cartier. Yeah. But when you click on Ashley Cartier's cage match link, it lists Mabel as her alter ego. Okay. So who knows? I did get all excited at one point because I found one site that linked Sarah's name to Sarah Calloway, who's Michelle McCool. So I just looked at her and went, no, it can't be. And it isn't. No. <laughs> I got excited and realised that and then realised that I'm stupid. <laughs> I think this is Ashley Carter and Royal Hawaiian working double duty on this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to uh, inclined to agree with you. Um, but going back to Salt and Pepper, 
Princess Jasmine uh, won fifty three point eight percent of her of matches in her career uh, that spanned Glow, the AWA, the WWA, and uh, she even challenged Sensational Sherry for the WWF Women's Title in her last registered match on Cage Match in nineteen eighty seven, which was actually a continuation of a feud that they'd had in AWA. There was quite a notable match in AWA. She tagged with the uh, the Rockers. Or they were then called the Midnight Rockers, Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels, against against uh, sensational Sherry Buddy Rose and Doug Summers. And I couldn't find anything on Salt. <laughs> she looked a little bit like uh, Bridget Nielsen in Rocky Four, didn't she? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. That's that's the vibe I was getting. I couldn't think of it. I couldn't think for a second. Um, so we get Salt and Pepper coming out, still arguing about stuff. Despite the fact that they were actually announced second, I believe that it was announced as Mabel and Sarah versus Salt and Pepper, but Salt and Pepper came out first. Uh, we have a bit of shoving, and it looked at one point like Salt tried to glass Pepper. Yeah, <laughs> she, she does. And, um, yeah, yeah they, they actually showed that on the starting um, credits. Uh, a lot yes. of this does get spoiled on the starting credits, but there is mm. stuff in this match that uh, Paul Heyman was sat there writing this down, thinking I, I could make a promotion out of this. Mm. Yeah. It really was. McLean breaks it up between the two. They're still arguing. They get in the ring. Uh, no sign of Sarah and Mabel at this point. Um, salt and Pepper end up circling, going into a lockup as uh, as their opponents appear on the apron. And those masks. They're awful. It's Friday the 13th, part two shit, where before Jason gets his hockey mask, when he's just wearing a bag on his head. Yeah, it wasn't great. I'm sure there were, I'm sure there were pillowcases. It wasn't great. Uh, and then we get a statement from Mabel, which was oh, no. which, yeah, uh, that, those those are some racial slurs. And the thing I loved about this is Salt and Pepper are arguing with each other. You know, we've set up that they've got this issue over the clothes. One of them's glassed the other, but they sort of turn round. They have this look in their eye, and then they fight the racists. And I very much enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, contrary to the uh, the opening. Uh, the opening bout in this one, the uh, the racist to the bad guys. But yeah, it gets them on the same page. Sarah and Mabel uh, both uh, choke both of them with chains and whip them with the chains as well. Pepper fights out. I'll go through this one because it was only a short match. Pepper fights out, brings Mabel into the ring the hard way. She smacks Sarah around a bit, kicks her out of the ring, goes to check on Salt. McLean's there telling Sarah to get in her. It's a count out and, and it's actually a 20 count. Yeah. Japanese is, uh, yeah yeah New Japan influenced and then we hear the call Sarah has a chair but she actually has an she has an actual chair not a folding chair no. like like a, like a dining room chair or you know, proper function room chair Pepper dives off the apron and we get a slow motion chair shot oh it was brilliant i mean you know you, you talk about sort of you know the, the modern day wrestling and the chairs and stuff the way that this chair looked like a proper unit and the way it sort of she smashed it over her you know like the mm. legs came off the base it, it just looked fantastic yeah yeah i love the fact that like you said dan it was a proper function chair it wasn't at all <laughs> a steel folding chair it was just a chair it, um, it looked heavy <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's, like the band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like it's the type of chair you dig out of you dig out of somewhere for when the family are coming over for Christmas dinner and you need one extra. Yeah, and they're yeah. horrible and they're heavy. Yeah. And there's a reason they're not on display anywhere. But we also see uh, Salt 
slow-mo slamming Mabel through a cocktail table. So we get a table bump. And Pepper hits uh, hits some form of backbreaker. And somehow, despite the fact all four are out of the ring, Salt and Pepper win by count out. I think it was a double count out. Um I, I think I think there was a bad call there. I think um you know. Well, we'll, yeah, we'll, well, David, 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 we'll go. We'll go with what the announce. We'll go with the commentator, announcer, and owner says. Yeah, even if he's wrong. So yeah, basically the same. Pepper saying they had a problem, but the friends really, and they, uh, the the commentary even acknowledges the uh, the racial slurs. Yeah, they you were not, they were united against the racists, and that that was really cool. Yeah. I thought, uh, yes, it was a silly little spat that they had, but these guys are being racist. They, you know, and they team up. I think it was a very feel-good thing. Yeah, and and sort of that that promo that Salt cuts about you know saying you know that um, you know she she um, yeah, stole her clothes because she hadn't got many clothes with her, but uh, she loves her and she's the best friend really, you know. And there were sort of mm. tears in her eyes, and and it was a lot more genuine than a lot of wrestling promos we get. I mean, you, you could you could tell these ladies, some of these ladies on this show were professional actresses. Because rather than a wrestler who was trying to act, these were actresses that were trying to wrestle. And when they had to act, they did a bloody good job. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for that as well, because uh, so many, so many wrestlers out there need some form of acting lesson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. On the on the Netflix show, that's kind of what helps it as well, where they're, they're doing the wrestling thing, but then they get Ruth, who's a, an actress, who gives it the, the, the theatre and the amateur dramatics, which it needs to be kind of more interesting. It's, yeah, it worked. Definitely. I, I, the Ruth annoyed me. Shut up, Dad. Can Ruth annoy you? <laughs> I, I didn't like either of the two main characters in that show. Oh, I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't finish the first season. Ah, oh, they're brilliant. I was gutted. I really gutted when it ended. Um, so still, fingers crossed that they're going to bring it back at some point. Yeah, we'll be on Peacock. Um, <laughs> uh, next up, we've got Hollywood and Vine versus Ashley Cartier and Tina Ferrari. As I, said, uh, no, I don't think I said that before. Hollywood was actually the first woman hired by Glow and the only woman to appear in every single episode. Uh, after Glow, she continued to compete on the independent circuit, uh, appearing in all uh, in several all-female wrestling promotions like Crush, Beauty Slammers, and Hottest Ladies of Wrestling. Although in Glow, she didn't have uh, too successful a time. She lost 71.7% of all of her matches. Bless her. I don't know how she's going to wash that record clean. Although I did go onto a website and there's a star function on the website. And I thought, what on earth is she selling? She makes her own soap. Oh, wow. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Uh, I couldn't find anything on Vine other than uh, she's Canadian and she lost 78.1% of all of her glow matches. As far as Ashley Cartier goes, we've all been talking about the uh, potential um, identity crisis uh, through cage match. But other than that, I know that she was a uh, she was a cheerleader for the Raiders at one point and she lost 51.4% of her matches in glow. She's Ivory slash Tina Ferrari's um, best friend in real life as well. Um, she was the one that... Oh, fair enough. Oh, well, thank you, Ashley Cartier. You, you, you gave us a hell of a wrestler. And then Tina Ferrari is Ivory. And if you don't know about Ivory, go and educate yourself. She was fucking fantastic. I, I didn't look up anything on Aunt Kitty. 
No, I forgot no. to look up. Forgot to look that up. I did that. She had a duck. She had a duck. <laughs> yeah, yes, she had a duck. She was a toy duck. Him, like, yeah, she had like. A, I didn't even notice like that. <laughs> well, like a dog shoot on She was a manager, but she just sat in the crowd. <laughs> she wanted one of them comfy chairs. Mind you, to be fair, when Steve Bruce used to manage town, uh, fuck Steve Bruce, but during the first half, he always liked to go and sit up on the uh, second tier so he could get like a better view of the game and uh, send his instructions down. It didn't fuck that, was just that was just closer to his favourite pie stall, wasn't it? Right, it, it, it was closer to the uh, pack of crayons that he made all his signings with. Oh, Steve Bruce, he's very much your uh, your Terry Taylor of football, isn't he? No, Mick Wadsworth, the Terry Taylor of football. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, football talk aside, we have to get to the match. So Hollywood and Vine come out with manager Aunt Kitty, who apparently had a duck in tow. Um, well, we forgot one thing with the duck. Uh, whack, whack. Um, <laughs> Massive tank Abbott fan. Yeah. <laughs> ten, no, more than 10, nearly 15 years before tank Abbott was a thing in wrestling. <laughs> so we uh, and then we get Tina and Ferrari and uh, and Ashley uh, and Ashley out. And they're in robes. They've got wine. They're flirting with the guys in the in the front row. And they're described as uh, as pinup girls. Mm. So we know that now. Uh, Tina starts with uh, with Hollywood. She, uh, <laughs> she gets a kick in the ass for her troubles, which I thought was just funny. Like Hollywood saw her opportunity, thought I'm a booter up the ass. Why not? Um, but again, there was a bit of uh, an identity crisis in this match. When when they came out, I was well. When when they were doing the promos at the start, I thought you know the edgy promos that Hollywood was cutting, you know they were the heels. And then you know the pinup girls come out and they're loading it up to the crowd, and I'm thinking, oh no, they're the heels. Uh, and then in the match, it's like all of a sudden it is Hollywood and Vine that are the heels. So it was a little bit confusing. I had that same thing, and then I realised later on that Hollywood and Vine are with. Matilda yeah, the Hun. Matilda, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I kind of clicked it later on that, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I had the same issue, well, not issue, but I had the same thoughts. Um, I, I assumed they were the, the heels, um, Tina and Ashley. Yeah, it's kind of like they're, both, they're all just sort of different flavours of dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> Could have been heel versus heel match, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it seems an odd thing to do on your first show, but, yeah, could be. And, again, there was... Don't want to be condescending, but for the amount of time they train, most of them have trained. Um, there was a surprising amount of wrestling. They were big on snapmares that I noticed. What I will say about this match, Dan, if you exclude battle royals, war games, and the um, tag team match that lasted 14 minutes, I think this is the longest match we've reviewed. <laughs> because this went ten and a half minutes. God, it did, didn't it? I wonder how much of that was playing to the crowd. Mm. Yeah, you can see that. Get, uh, you know, you could say that our Kenny Omega hour-long match, how much is playing to the crowd or... To be honest, I'd probably rather watch this than, a, than an hour-long Kenny Omega match. <laughs> it's, it certainly clipped along faster. Yeah. The moveset on this was a lot better than the previous ones anyway. So there, there was a lot... Uh, uh, there was a bigger moveset. I know you mentioned Snapmares, but there was a lot more going on in this match. Um, I yeah, thought the previous two... Then a bit of like some of the heel antics, like using the uh, you know using the top rope to drag the face across and, yeah. and and things like that. So there was there was a there was a fair bit going on, yeah. 
like I say, it got a bit messy at times in terms of who's the good guys, who's the bad guys. Is everybody bad guys? Why is everybody in the ring? Why is the ref not counting? You know, if you if you start to think too much about the rules, which I try not to do because it's wrestling, and fuck it. <laughs> it, I don't watch wrestling to turn my brain on. I watch it to switch my brain off. But um, it was all right. It wasn't the worst thing in the world. Uh, the better one of the best parts about it was uh, Aunt Kitty going after uh, David McLean. Yeah. <laughs> because and, and actually, I've written it. I've written it here. Hank Kitty goes after the commentator for his biased commentary against the faces. So I didn't know who the faces and heels were at this point. And that's about that's about two thirds of the way through the match. So we get some slow mo face slams from uh, from Hollywood to Tina, which actually looked quite impactful. But in between them, we we cut back to uh, to Hank Kitty who's still bashing McLean. Just just on the the face slams because I quite liked them the way they were putting the crowd noise in. Did you notice that they had people walking around the ring with microphones trying to pick up all the sounds from the matches? I think no, was, I didn't notice that. Yeah, there were three or four people with long microphones that were whole, like pointing into the ring to try and get all the sound effects. Which yeah, I, I know. Oh, that's, that's, that's clever. Yeah, it was really good, and it, and it really gave you more of an immersive feeling than, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll pipe the noises in or, you know, that. They just, you know, aren't connected because they haven't picked them up well enough with the mic or they're under the ring. But yeah, I thought it was really clever the way they did that. Oh, good spot. No, I genuinely didn't see that. No, neither did I. Did not spot that. But it's a, it's a great thing. Yeah, it's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Coming towards the uh, the end of the match, there was a a great bit where a Tina sort of rolled into an uh, rolled from into an armbar and then sort of a seated cover. Hollywood reverses it. Tina goes back into the hold, and then you have Vine, who does who does a dive from the second rope, but it goes in slow mo. She's trying to break the hold, and it's even got the um, the comedy R sound effect as Tina moves. So Tina gets out of the way. Vine Vine splashes Hollywood, and I know I said I didn't like the the slow mo, and it's true. But if you're going to use it, use it like that. All it was missing was one of those stereotypical movie screams. <laughs> you know, I can't remember what it's yeah. called now, but you know that, that scream that's in every movie where somebody falls off a cliff or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know exactly There's what There is I mean. an name for it, but yes, I, I know what you mean, yes. <laughs> yeah, so that was um, that was quite good. And then it's weird because they get a move, they get the robot submission. Mm. Uh, I think it's I think it's Ashley and, uh, and Tina. Get the robot submission, which I've never seen. Until we, until we, I'm sure we saw it on something we watched with James Rob, where it can just, it can just blew my yeah. mind, and, and now it's here. <laughs> yeah. I know we've seen it recently. Yeah, but I, I really liked it. I mean, it's it, that is, you know, sort of an old school world of sport type move. Yeah, yeah. I've never ever seen that before. I, I quite enjoyed it. And then you get um, after the robot submission, you have Tina actually working in tandem. With two Irish whips, two dual, dual hip tosses, they both start dancing in, in sync. They both get the kicks at the same time. They go back to dancing, and, and at this point, I realised that Tina and Ashley have more charisma than than most of the women on this show. They really do. Yeah, I, I really like that whole bit, that whole segment with them kind of working in tandem and the dancing and the parading, especially like you said when they come back round and and got the kicks at the same time and turned round as well. It was yeah. yeah, it was really good showmanship, you know, really entertaining. 
uh, and we, ha- we haven't mentioned the crowd, but the crowd were on the feet during this yeah. uh, part. Yeah, and the crowd were really hot all night, really. You know, for, for something that's a brand new product with people that they've never heard of before. Oh, they were well up for it, yeah. Yeah, they, they yeah, were they up were. for it, that crowd. There's, there's, some, there's a lot of promotions out there that kill for that kind of reception. Mm. Yeah. Um, but we uh, we head into the finish. Tina slaps Hollywood. Gets Vine up on her shoulders for an aeroplane spin and uses uh, uses Vine's uh, feet to kick Hollywood in the face. And then Tina gets this uh, gets this bridging like neck bridge pin, which I thought was really good. And even then, you could tell that Tina was um, really really far ahead of, uh, of of people in terms of what she could do in the ring. At least that's how it came across to me. I don't know if that's bias in that we know who she you know who she goes on to be. But it's not because I had no idea who she was and I thought the same thing and I didn't clock that it was actually Ivory. I well, I mean, you know, I did know it was Ivory, but I mean, I, I thought this was, a, 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 again, a, a match that was much better than we had any right to expect. Yeah. Um, mm. I thought Hollywood did very well in it. Vine was maybe a little bit uh, greener. But yeah, Tina and Ashley looked great. I mean, a- absolutely no complaints. You know, a ten and a half minute match carried out well. There's a lot of wrestlers and a lot of major promotions that can't do that. Mm. Yeah, it was again. It was it was it was decent, especially with especially in context. And we're back to the meat song. Oh god! But this time it's a longer version. Yeah, it's going to haunt me. Is that song? <laughs> it's, been, it's been in my head all day. I had to explain <laughs> to uh, I had to explain to. Um, well, you both know him, but uh, I had to explain to Scott, who was one of my one of my colleagues, exactly what was in my brain. <laughs> he's, a, he's a he's a wrestling fan, but just trying to explain that I've got a song in my head that's by a by a six foot three, supposedly German descendant of Attila the Hun, talking about eating raw beef. Um, is it actually because, by her, or is it an because wrestling? Or... I, I think it was written. I think it was written especially for the show purposely well I say, I say that I don't know who else would write that song to be honest in any context so yeah yeah it was there was some lines in it I've written down a couple of the lines <laughs> one of them one of them give me your beef or I'll bust you in the jaw <laughs> and she's like she's like just getting really into it and almost going operatic going raw meat uh, to feel complete yep um, just, just you've got to watch it it will haunt your dreams and you'll question life and all the choices that got you there but you need to see it <laughs> you really do it's been in my head all well since i watched it this morning and i watched it yesterday and it's still in mine one thing i do wonder about this show is though because this runs about an hour and you know no commercials in it or whatever obviously there have been commercials at the time i wonder if this version that we've got on youtube is a little bit padded out with these videos which is possibly why we're seeing things over again. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, well, I didn't wonder that. I, I did say to my, well, wrote down, they're replaying a lot of the, the promos, yeah. Yeah, and as weird as the Raw Meat song is, it's not as weird as the I'm a Little Teapot bullshit from Tammy. <laughs> no, it's actually not. That was way weirder. That was terrifying. She's talk- I, I didn't write it down because I didn't want to go back and transcribe it, but you've got Tammy there, who is... Like has a hair done and, and, and made up and, and dressed to. I think the, the I read something. The idea behind the Tammy character was to be essentially sweet and innocent. Mm. And 
it just went a little bit too far into like un, into like little girl territory. Yeah, and it just it just got creepy. It was weird, didn't it? Start out, I'm a little wrestler, short and stout. Here's my bicep, something yeah, on my yeah. arm. <laughs> Not yeah, something like that. I've got it here. It's I'm a little wrestler, short and stout. Here's my bicep on my arm. When I got all steamed up, I just grab them and knock them out. I mean, above all else, it's just poorly written. Yeah. <laughs> Damn creepy. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think though this this is kind of the first maybe misstep of the show. The uh, the casting of Tammy Jones. And the raw beef song. I don't know though. I mean, as you've said, the raw beef song is an uh, an earworm, and Matilda is this vicious heel. You know, I think it does suit her actually. The raw meat. You know, I run. Yeah, I don't there like earworms. At one point, they were chanting raw meat at one point. I yeah, think the crowd were chanting it when yeah. it cu- when it cuts to the when it cuts to the intros for the main event, which is up next. But according to Cage Match, it shouldn't be up next. What we should have got was the cheerleaders versus heavy metal sisters. But you know, you have to go to glow dark. <laughs> I thought it was on glow dark elevation. <laughs> so yeah, there was a, a match that was attributed to this show that was missed altogether. Hmm. But there we go. We go straight to the main event, which is Tammy Jones versus Matilda the Hun for the glow title. Again, did a bit of research on Tammy. Couldn't find much other than uh, a fan article explaining why they loved the gimmick. Um, which, wrestling's a buffet. It, it's, still, it's still, yeah, wrestling's a buffet. Mm. Check, that, check that person's hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> Tammy lost 54.5% of her glow matches, uh, and she's married to the referee. Yeah. That's all I could find. Matilda the Hun, as, uh, as a backstory, she'd already wrestled uh, before this under the name Queen Kong. Uh, and allegedly wrestled a bear when she couldn't find any women to wrestle in the California Commission Banda from Wrestling Men. She also competed in roller derby. She took acting roles. She was actually in Spaceballs. Oh, um, yeah. And apparently worked as a dominatrix. <laughs> and she actually is a... Go on, Rob. I was going to say, that's not the only thing, working as a dominatrix. She claims to have invented the telephone sex industry. It's a big I didn't claim. see anything about this. <laughs> yeah. She, Do elaborate. But the, just that. that she, she claims that she came up with the idea of um, basically industrializing phone sex. So we can thank Matilda the Hun for Babe Station. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> which we're going to review the UWA, which was on live TV, that <laughs> eventually descended <laughs> into Babe's world. <laughs> 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 oh man so yeah and the only other thing to note about uh, Matilda the Hun is that she credits her splash finisher uh, with uh, from watching uh, Big Daddy yes I saw that yeah so we get the uh, we cut to the uh, to the two wrestlers in the ring Tammy's praying in the corner and just gets splashed from behind by Matilda which is a really good heel way to start off There's the, you, know, you get the obligatory stomps and kicks and it's at this point you notice that there is a good foot in height difference between mm. Tammy and Matilda. This is proper, like, David versus Goliath stuff. Rey Mysterio versus Kevin Nash. Yeah. Kind of. yeah. Yeah, to put a wrestling analogy on it, and 
<laughs> this is where I sort of realised about the ring. Having the ring sort of custom made for, like for the for the women for sort of the regular sized women on the show, it made Matilda look like Andre the Giant mm. in yeah. terms of her stature. It it were it really worked wonders for her for, from a visual point of view. It looked huge. Yeah. I said before she's a legit six two, but I think she's a legit six four. I mean, she she, she, she is she, by any any stretch of the imagination. Whichever know. way you slice it, she's taller than me, and I mean, I'm, if, I'm a big guy. If you put her next to half the well, probably ninety percent of the, like the AEW roster, she'll tower over them. Yeah, yeah. She'll be damn near. She'll be about the tall as Sting. Yeah. 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 About that. Yeah. It's massive, but we get, you know, the, it's essentially power heel moves at this point. Um, Matilda's using her strength. There's, you know, the slams, the, the, the slam on the apron, ramming Tammy's head into the apron, all sorts, choking her on the top rope. And I, I couldn't tell if this was comedy choking sound effects or if it was just those people with the microphones that actually picked up the noise better. I don't know if you guys, either of you guys picked up on that. Yeah, it was a horrific noise. I thought it was the people with the microphones, to be honest. I don't, I don't think it was sort of pumped in, but I don't, I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah. And then we get the splash from Matilda slow mo, uh, in slow motion, as it should be uh, in, this, in this show. Um, like I said, I didn't quite like the slow mo, but at this point I'd grown to expect it. Um, so it wasn't too jarring. Until it's the splash, she decides against the pin. It's a knee drop. There's just some more general. Kicking the shit out of Tammy. Tammy tries to punch her way out. And there's just a great bit where Matilda just invites the punches. Just stands there and says, Come on then, little one. Let's have your best shot. Let's do it. And then we go pure soap opera. <laughs> we talked in the uh, the Lucha. <laughs> we, we, we will have talked. We've, we have talked. We maybe will talk in the Lucha Underground episode about um, soap opera in wrestling. This is pure, pure soap opera. They actually trot out some kid on crutches flanked by security as Tammy's brother. We see little Johnny on his crutches and he's walking and we get a shot of Tammy's face in what I think is actually an empty ring in an empty room as her face lights up and we get the Johnny. You can walk. <laughs> you can walk. <laughs> Did you see Johnny's thumbs up? I, I think years later, Johnny was signed to AEW as Orange Cassidy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, this was some Brady Bunch bullshit. It was terrible. It, it was Brady's bunch. bunch bullshit. It is fun. This is. I can't wait to get to my ratings on this show. <laughs> because fucking hell. And then Tammy turns into Scrappy-Doo. Headbutts Matilda into the corner. We get we get slow motion, but it was an extended slow motion. The close-up of Tammy's face and Matilda's belly pats were completely unnecessary. And did nobody any favours. <laughs> the third headbutt from Tammy has Matilda down to her haunches. Matilda catches her on the fourth, lifts Tammy up in like a, a tri- sort of tree choke slam position. <laughs> Tammy bites Matilda's face during the world's slowest five count, jumps on Matilda's back for the sleeper, 
it was <laughs> but I was just kind of I was kind of loving it but also thinking how, how mad and ridiculous it is again the finish comes in where Tammy stands on Matilda's back to go to the second rope kicks Matilda off and Tammy gets the slow-mo crossbody <laughs> for the one, two, three and to be the first glow champion crown of what glow Oh, is that what it was called? Yeah, the crown of glow champion. Yeah. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. <laughs> what did you guys think of the match? It was a great show, I think, of heel work by Matilda the Hun. Literally, especially there was one scene where she was just, she had about her hair and she was just ragging her neck round. And like, I thought all that work was really, really good. Obviously, there was some stupid bits with her being like Popeye and spinach when she saw that her brother could walk again and that's all the motivation <laughs> she needs but I suppose I, it, it worked it, it was silly but it worked that was the angle they were going for they set it up at the beginning of the night um, it, was, it was memorable yeah, yeah. it was memorable at, le- at least there were stakes in this match you know I, I do one of my big bugbears with wrestling is when there's no reason for the match, you know. And yes, it was for the championship, but there was also personal stakes involved. Um, you know, t- Tammy had issues. Uh, Matilda was a-, a great heel. While I don't think Tammy was a great wrestler or, by any stretch of the imagination, you know, the the best the, the person I would have chosen from this show, given that that there were so many strong performances. But I do still think the match kind of worked, even if it maybe doesn't hold up to some of the others. Yeah, it, it, it was by far, it was far from the worst thing I've ever seen. Like you say, it had stakes, there was a point to it. Like you said, Sarah, Matilda was fantastic. Yeah, uh, it made make you tune in the next week as well, because Matilda there at the end said, oh, I want my rematch, I'm going to have my revenge. So it's kind of a, what's going to happen next? Yeah, because yeah, the whole thing... The whole thing descended into a brawl with pretty much yeah. the entire roster, um, which is a classic wrestling uh, sort of throw by this point. End it in a brawl, get everybody, uh, get the show going off hot, tune in next week. Matilda's raving, Tammy's champion, what's going to happen? So, yeah, it, it, it worked. There's, there's a lot in this that you can take the piss out of. But... When you remember the context of the show, the context of the vast majority of the wrestlers training, even the fact that the guy financing it or you know, running it, yes, he's got experience in the wrestling industry, but this is his first foray into solo promotion and into the niche of a niche market that probably the vast majority of people would assume would fail. At that period in time, a lot of them would have been so many people had the exact same attitude as Dick the Bruiser, saying that it wouldn't be profitable, nobody would want to see it. Well, he was fucking wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think part of that reason, because it was uh, so out- outlandish, you know, a word gets round, doesn't it, that, oh, you've got a ghostly glow, they've got these larger-than-life characters, there's wrestling talent there as well, there's beautiful ladies. It, it, yeah, it, it, I don't see why... It, should ever fail. <laughs> it was it was literally just the attitude of, of, the, of a lot of people in the industry and probably around with wrestling fans at that point who were the yeah. football to watch women's wrestling. Yeah, yeah. But it turns out a lot of people did. <laughs> there, there was better wrestling on this show than there was the previous weeks on the previous week on Superstars on the episode we reviewed. You yeah. 
Uh, and, I can remember, yeah. And that show had Ricky the Dragon Steamboat on, you know. So it's yeah, and, yeah. Things. and he got three minutes. <laughs> yeah, well, and uh, you know, some of these matches probably lasted as long as you know the entirety of the wrestling on. Yeah. Two thousand, you know. What was it, six or seven matches within an hour? Yeah, but the other thing about this is, while there was very long matches, they interspersed that with a hell of a lot of, you know, um, vignettes and gimmick work and promos, you know, and the way that they put the promos in the middle of the matches as well, it helped everything clip along at a fast pace. You know, it was, um, you know, a really good way of presenting wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. I go along with it. Just uh, no, completely forgot what I was going to say there. God, that was a right, that was a mid-sentence brain fart, ladies and gentlemen. Well, uh, you, you might have forgot what you were going to say, but I, I mean, I didn't spot any adverts on this episode, uh, apart from the um, hour-long advert that was for the Riviera. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it was a good, it was a good showcase for the Riviera. It's a shame it's. Uh, Shame has been demolished. Well, it looked as well as if some people were eating while they were watching as well. So I don't know if they did dinner and a show sort of thing, but yeah, it's uh, okay. it's certainly would have been um, something that people would have wanted to come and see. And oh. I don't know, I don't know if they just ran the shows as well as you know, like house shows sort of thing, as well as the TV yeah. tapings. But it'd certainly be an event. Yeah, definitely. So, so I'm just I'm flashing back to the uh, the last time I got a decent feed at the wrestling, which was. Uh, which was in the uh, the town hall near you? Oh yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want to say I don't want to say the name of the promotion because they've started booking that piece of shit Ligero. Um, uh, in terms of um, shout outs that we've had for the show, uh, Chris Bellis at Real Chris Bellis said it was uh, a marvelous start to a Monday with UTT and Twidded. Uh, I don't know. Uh, one of his uh, Juggalo bands um, would have loved it and uh, would have said whoop whoop. Which is a high compliment, I believe, in Juggalo parlance. Mags at Podfather Mags said that he was taking UTT's side this week in the Monday Morning Wars, as he was on the show, um, against Chris Bellis on Bang Bang. We're just crossing the streams here. If you don't know who's going to appear on what show, do you? Also, just this week, Mags, fucking traitor. Danny at Scottish Juggalo loved Mags' quote, if this Raw had had Naked Midian on it, it would have been the best Raw of 2000. Well, you can't go wrong with your comedian, apparently. No. Not, not a sentiment that I'm sure I share. <laughs> Graham at Good Bad Wrestle posted a meme of craft beer drinkers trying to convince people it tastes good. Not dignifying that with a response. <laughs> Steve-O at Total Steve-O said that Dan summed up how bad WWF was in 2000 with his phrase, Rikishite. I was quite proud of that one. I shouldn't be able to make up jokes that good when I'm that drunk. Giovanni von um, Bernshaw at George B 01065217 said that he loved the podcast, so thank you very much for that. Yeah, thank you. Mark from the Project Football podcast, that's Project uh, Proj underscore foot, listed us as one of the indie podcasts that needs to be listened to. It's always... It always makes me really happy and feel really humble when people do that. I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's a novelty that I'll ever wear off. Thank you very much. And finally, Justin at Just in Time two one one shouted us out. So thank you very much for that. Yeah, thank you. So I think do we uh, where do we go next? Do we have to get some uh, some awards for the night? Yeah. 
I think we better add. Uh, so, Sarah, we'll go to you first. What would you class as your match of the night? I kind of did spoil this and say earlier on, I'd probably <laughs> go Hollywood and Vine versus Tina and Ashley. Mine, I just yeah. thought it had a bit of everything. Yeah, it was really, really entertaining. And uh, like I said, the moveset was good. And yeah, it just, and their manager had a duck. <laughs> and ducks always make things better. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Rob? Well, I did very much enjoy that match. I'm going to go for the Royal Hawaiian and Spanish Red versus California Doll and Americana. Could have easily gone for. I could have easily gone for that. I could have easily gone for the just for the you know the hardcore element of it and the uh, frenemies angle of Salt and Pepper versus uh, Mabel and Sarah. But yeah, um, a lot of decent matches on this uh, on this card. Fair enough. I'm uh, I'm going to agree with uh, with Sarah. Uh, Hollywood and Vine versus uh, Ashley and, uh, and Tina. I just, like I said before, I thought that, uh, that Ashley and Tina had just just oodles of charisma. Uh, Tina was great in the ring. Ashley had some great character work uh, as well throughout a bit. Throughout, and we've already sort of waxed lyrical about Hollywood and, and you know, Vine, not really said much about Vine, but she held her own in amongst yeah. it all in, in every aspect. So, yeah, that would be uh, that match for me. So MVP of the night, Sarah, would you give your MVP to? I think it's got to be uh, Matilda the Hun. Yeah. Just thought she was a great heel. Loved the song, even though it's it's absolutely stuck in my head and it's weird. But I just thought she was she was great, yeah, overall. Yeah, I get that. Rob? Yeah, I'd, I'd say the same. I, I'd go for Matilda the Hun. You know, she, she was all over the show, menacing heel. Yeah. Same on this end, clean sweep for Matilda. Uh, book ended the show, um, top heel, and she agreed to uh, to do the meat song. So <laughs> how can you say no? So next award, uh, we'll go to uh, moment of the night. Sarah, what was your moment of the night? Well, just for pure cheesiness, little Johnny coming out, he can walk. Was probably the <laughs> it's the one moment that I was just like, oh my god! <laughs> it just really, it made me laugh. It but, was awful and cheesy, but it was great. I didn't expect one, it either. It's one of the first things you'll tell people about. Yeah, yeah, I didn't expect it's... it either. Like I expected something, but I did not expect them to wheel this well, not wheel, walk this little child out on crutches. That, uh, do you know what? It, you, you're gonna <laughs> people are telling me I'm lying. And then that's fine. But as soon as they said about little Johnny not being able to walk, I just thought, oh God, they're going to do it. Aren't they? They're going to have the kid either in a wheelchair or somehow like hobbling out to greet her. And it was, it was just, yeah. I thought they <laughs> it was exactly, it was exactly, it was exactly what that match needed. Yeah. It was also yeah. cheesy as bubbles. But the fact that he came toddling out on his little crutches and that was just what she needed to to win this kind of David and Goliath matchup. But yeah, it's got to be moment of the night. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I can see, I can completely see the logic. Uh Rob, what was your moment of the night? My moment of the night was Salt and Pepper deciding to kick the crap out of the racists. Ah, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, it is that is a very good one. I I'm kind of cheating, and it's going to sound stupid, given uh, given how much I've bitched about them. But I'm giving mine to the slow mo replays. It's a joint <laughs> award. 
<laughs> because you can probably tell by the way I was talking about sort of throughout, like as it progressed throughout the show, I started off thinking, what the hell is this? It's crap. And then by the mm. end, I, I kind of warmed to them and could appreciate the comedy value in them. I was the same, to be honest. I, I really disliked it, but, and I still don't like it, but as the, the show went on, I just come to expect them rather than it being yeah. just thrown in there. So I thought, oh, it's just part of this show. Um, and, yeah, there was that really comedic one that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, it was a bit trivial when Rob's picked to pick Grace's getting the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> After they were arguing about the clothes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's real character development. Yeah. Oh, before we get to the most important award of the night, uh, no signs again, which is a great shame. Yeah. Missed the sign award. But on to the. Uh, oh, sorry. I was going to say it's one of the problems of uh, visiting either the 80s or, you know, the, the 2020s, that the uh, amount of signs just aren't what they were in uh, the Attitude Era and uh, Monday Night Wars. Yeah. Oh, well. Everyone's just got their phones now. It's really disappointing to see in some of the audiences. There's no signs, it's just everybody with their phones. What would be really cool is if you could get different coloured lights on on phones and everybody sat in a specific seat had to put the phone to a different colour and then you could get like uh, like they're doing football stadiums where they all have a piece of card each yeah. to, make like a, to make like a giant light picture, <laughs> if you like. I don't know if that... I, well, what the sort of possibility of that is, but that's just a random thought that entered my very, very sleepy brain. <laughs> so now to the most important award of the night, the Rene Goulet Award for Outstanding Haircut of the Night. Sarah, who gets your Rene Goulet? I don't want to kind of repeat myself, but it has to be again, Matilda the Hun, her hair was amazing. The huge ginger perm. Yeah, <laughs> how can you not love that? It was one. It's one of the most eighties thing I've ever seen, which is yeah. why I'm just gonna, which is why I'm just gonna jump the gun uh, and agree with you because Matilda won mine as well. Yeah. Um, but Rob, does Matilda get another cl- uh, clean sweep? No, no, she doesn't. Uh, one of the things what? current current um, like WWF programming, you know, th- they'll be really um, on the talent not to change the look because, you know, they'll have the figures and the pictures and everything. They want people to stay consistent. So Hollywood had gone and recorded all those brilliant promos that uh, were used at the start of the show where she had black hair, but had then decided to go and put red, green and blue patches in it yeah. for no apparent reason. So it's got to be Hollywood. I didn't even notice that, but fair enough. Fair play. I didn't notice the changing of the hair, but Hollywood was another kind of runner-up for me on that one, just because I liked her hair in general, but I didn't notice she'd actually changed it. It was cool. Uh, right, so just uh, before we uh, before we wrap up, we'll get to our rating. Sarah, what would you rate the show out of 10? 7.5 for me. Fair enough. I can see how you got there, given what we've been discussing. Uh, Rob? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Oh, sorry, carry on. No, no, I was just going to say, yeah, I got there, basically. The show was good. I mean, like we've been saying all along, without being, like you said, condescending, these people didn't have a a whole world of training. It was the first, you know, televised show, and I thought it was really, really good. Um, yeah. 7.5, I think, yes, yeah, wasn't outstanding, but it was very, very good. So, uh, Rob? 
Yeah, I'm going to go 7.5 uh, as well. One of the beautiful things of looking at a lot of these um, pilot episodes that we're doing, we're seeing people's you know first attempt at doing stuff, and some of them are, are long-lasting promotions that are starting a new endeavour or whatever, and this is a brand new promotion. There was... Uh, a lot of um, a lot of professionalism. They had high ambitions, and and some of it they met, which we can't always say for other promotions that we look at. The wrestling was, in parts, very good for what it was, and for long matches that that clipped along at a, a decent pace. And you know, you never sort of sort of oh god, you know, I'm sat sat in the middle of a spot fest or whatever. It's just all very same. You know, there there were. Long matches, but there were different matches. There was hardcore in 1985. You know, you come into glow, and, and a certain part of you wants to shit on it, and it, it just exceeds expectations across the board. Yeah, I, again, completely get what you got there. And it's funny you should say that about wanting to shit on it because I really did. <laughs> I really did. I really did want to shit on it because when I was when I was sort of watching it through. I was thinking, oh God, you know, this is. I've been a snarky, snarky wrestling fan, to be honest, when I first watched it. I've just been a dick. But the more I thought about it, and like I say, in, in the actual context of everything, it essentially makes trying to rate the individual elements a nonsense. You know, things like if you go, if you want to put this, you know, the in ring stuff, on this show against, I don't know, like early 90s or current, you know, sort of Joshi wrestling, then you're going to give it, or, you know, as I noted, you're going to give it like a three out of 10 mm. for the injury work when you actually take into account that these women have had a few weeks training. It's fucking amazing. It at least doubles it, if not more. Like you said, Rob, the ambition was there, the production, the production elements were fantastic. They, uh, they tried with the storyline. It was a bit sort of che- you know, a bit cheesy soap opera for me at times, but that's almost when wrestling's at its best. The promos were good, you know, we were across the board good. But nobody would nobody shit the bed on anything. Uh, and most importantly, the fans were the crowd and attendance were really into it. So I've I'd completely chuck my original ratings out the window and give this a solid seven. Good. Have we talked you around? <laughs> um, to, to a degree, yeah, but it, it's not. It's like when I was talking earlier to Scott about it and explaining certain bits to it, I, I found myself getting like getting more enthusiastic about it anyway. Mm. So I was I was already coming around to that in my own mind, but talking to you guys has, has really put it over the top because I was ready to give it a four. Oh. If I'm so really, I was really honest. easy to watch it as well. I don't know if that's changed. I don't know if that's kind of biased my rating a little bit because I was really really giddy to watch it because I'd never obviously heard of it but I'd never seen it but then again like I said it it more than went above what I expected so I mean I I did catch some glow in the early 90s um they were kind of rerunning it uh, at various at various points and you know I, I just have this memory of, of it being you know you, you'd watch primetime wrestling or whatever and everything will be sort of steady away and then you'd watch glow and there's all these crazy colors and 
you know, you get to the stage where people are, are, are rapping the theme songs and Godiva's coming to the ring on a horse and, you know, just all this stuff that you just do not see, you know, and, and just it being, a, you know, like I said, a, a completely different but also valid presentation of wrestling. Yeah, so yeah, I guess I, I guess I had some some fond memories from from that point of view, but I, I didn't know how well that would hold up, and I think it, I think it really did. Yeah, well, like yeah, I said, uh, giving it giving it time to land and and, and process in my you know in my brain and speak to you guys, I'm much more much more favourable to it than I was on on first viewing. I'll you know I'll be upfront about my arbitrary bullshit, but I'll also be upfront when I'm wrong. And I was always wrong in my initial assessment of this for the first time ever. Yeah. <laughs> so there's there's no votes for this on cage match or wrestling data. So I mean, we could go and there's no half marks on there. So essentially, we could go and basically give it an A. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but it's just going with an open mind is all I'd say. Going with a mind more open than mine. Yeah. <laughs> When you start out, it's uh, it, I think the most important thing I can say about it is it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Fun promotion. And don't go in with it, like you said, looking at the rules and looking at the, you know, the, the technicalities of it. Just enjoy it for what it is. And it, it's fun. Don't go in expecting five-star technical classics. No. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not in the Tokyo Dome. It's in the Riviera. So, guys, it looks like we're about ready to wrap up. So, Sarah, where can people find you? Uh, I am on Twitter at Turd Ferguson, funny name, uh, tweeting about kind of wrestling, dogs, animals, stuff like that. So, obviously, I'll follow back. Um, yeah, give me a shout on Twitter. Great stuff. Rob, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me at UTT Rob. It's really more about mutuals than it is about um, the followers. So, I'm absolutely more than happy to follow back. Um, you can find the show either on um, its own channel or on the primetime conversations channel had a, had a rebrand from the that night is wrestling podcast channel exclusively on the utt podcast channel we're doing our own bonus series of unbooking the tankatory where we're following the in-ring wrestling career of tank abbott so it's well worth checking that out it is a lot of fun doing that um <laughs> it's yeah said it multiple, said it multiple times did not expect to be doing a Tank Abbott fan cast, but I'm so happy we are. Uh, <laughs> you can find <laughs> Still don't know how we got there. Um, but you can find me on Twitter at DanGriffin21, tweeting about wrestling that's a minimum six weeks out of date, uh, movies that are 25 years out of date. You can also find me on the monthly pay-per-view reviews in the uh, the 90s wrestling podcast section of Primetime Conversations YouTube. So go give a like and subscribe to Primetime Conversations. Uh, you can also find me on uh, the Doctor Who podcast uh, with Cy Powell, where we're looking at uh, a different story arc uh, for each of the uh, uh, each of the Doctors, and just going through see what lands in see what lands for each of us in terms of new Who and uh, and old Who. Uh, so that's it for this week. Any final thoughts, Rob? Thank you for listening. There we go. Thank you for listening. <laughs> I eat raw meat. I eat it plain from the toughest
to the tummy, from the rock to the brain. 